of the machine. Welcome back to this week's episode of Men of the Machine. And before we get started, I thought about this about two weeks ago and said I was going to bring it up next time. I think I found out where the, you know, like the the YouTube trope joke going around right now about like, hey, everybody, this is Kevin and thanks for tuning into such and such channel on YouTube or what's up guys or you know those very like cliched lines have you seen that stuff going around yeah I have it's like you can tell you clicked a YouTube video when and it's like one guy in front of a camera doing that stuff I think I found where that came from diners drive-ins and dives because that is exactly how Guy Fieri starts an episode what's going on somebody calls him some word this is guy fietti and you're tuning into diners drive-ins and dives and today we're doing it's the like very mm-hmm. generic and that show was years ago what up everyone it's your boy dj exactly exactly <laughs> that's what it is so, by the way who am i uh by the way uh so today we are getting back to the uh age-old tried and true working class man type of podcast where me and my good buddy do movie reviews you got me kevin and and i'm dj and we are doing Waterworld. We're reviewing Waterworld. Oh, dear. <laughs> so this, I, this is why we're doing the intro again, because we haven't done an intro to these in a while. It's kind of been forever since we've done this format. Yeah, we did the Halloween one. But even before that, uh, Jake was on for a movie, non-group. What was that? Yeah, we that did, was... Um, we did something. What did we do with Jake? Oh, it's, it's it's sitting there right in the yeah, archives. Yeah, we did I was something. there, and I can't even remember. <laughs> so... so what I want to do, so this movie has a, a whole plethora of of legend behind it, of what took to get it made, and what happened during production, and what happened post-production, and the release, and yada yada. So I I've never actually seen the movie, but its reputation precedes it. Um, there's, I know it was a very high-budget movie. Well, at the time it came out, the largest budget for a movie of, of all time. I also know it's a very long movie. Three hours, the longest movie we've reviewed thus far. And I know it's kind of a post-apocalyptic future where everything's covered with water and Kevin Costner's a fish man. So I've heard it called this a lot, and I don't disagree, but I don't agree. It's Mad Max on the ocean. That's a very... I can see that that's the premise they're going for, at least. Yes, that's the the ideal. So I guess first I want to get into the production issues and... Because I don't want to sway you. You know my opinion without me saying it, but I haven't told you why yet. So that's why I'm going to avoid that. So at the time, uh, I was just learning this the other day from a friend at work. Kevin Costner's buddy was the one who was the director. And Kevin Costner had just won an Oscar for uh, uh, Dances with Wolves. Is that the? Is that what it was called? The Yeah. Kevin, yeah so he just won an Oscar for that. And him and this guy had worked together on I don't remember what movie. So he's like, hey, I'll star in it. You do this and we'll make this whole big sci-fi like fantastical adventure movie. And like halfway through it or a little more, Kevin Costner basically told him to go screw. He was making a shitty movie and took over for him. Okay. So he was the one who pushed for his friend to be the director. He was the one who pushed for this movie to be made. And then halfway through realized, wow, you're not good. Kick rocks. You're out of here. And apparently he did it again with the next movie he made, which I can't remember, which was also a flop. I can imagine Kevin Costner having a bit of an ego too. Yeah, he was, well... At the time, this movie was made in ninety something. He was like, he he was like at the pinnacle of 
not necessarily action star, but just movie star in general. Which is funny, because the thing that I usually think about when I think about Kevin Costner is that he's the blandest person. He really like he, is? He's technically, he's fine. Like, yeah. his acting is fine. He's technically competent, but he's not interesting. He doesn't have a hook. Yeah, and he, well, and all the movies that he's really, really big in, like, uh, where, what was that movie with the, if you build it, they will come? The baseball? Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. Uh, and Dancing with Wolves, those movies aren't necessarily dynamic for like a Bruce Willis action role or like a uh, Robert De Niro intense character play or, you know, all of this. Intri- it's really just Kevin Costner being a working class uh, white he, guy. He is a technically competent actor who can play a dude. And in every movie, he's usually <laughs> yeah, a dude. Exactly. But for some reason, he's he was this super standout guy in the early 90s. And like, I think that may have been more on the strength of the movie around him than on the strength of him as an actor. Probably. And this movie plays to that in a way. So very much that Mel Gibson was just a brooding white guy in Mad Max who overacted every now and again. Kevin Costner is a very stoic character. He's a very just not, I don't want to say bland, but it, it fits the role of what you would expect from him in an action movie. He doesn't have this, like, you know, when Liam Neeson first came out with Taken, he wasn't a tough guy at that point in time. He was just a character actor. He did lots of cool stuff. And he didn't even get into acting until he was older, I believe. Right. He'd been in a few action movies before, but But they were not as, like, it wasn't like a Liam Neeson vehicle. He'd be, like, a side character. And then all of a sudden, Taken took off, and now he's the super action star. And I think that's what they were going for here. I think that's what they wanted, and it just never landed for Costner, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But... So it's a movie that all takes place on water. Um, do you know any of the premise? Um, if I had to put together what the movie is in my head based on what I know about it and nothing else, I would say that it's Kevin Costner drinks his pee and yes. protects a 12-year-old girl from water pirates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually pretty much exactly it. Um I'll give you the quick synopsis without looking it up because I don't want to spoil anything. Because sometimes with movies this old, you look up the basic Wikipedia synopsis and it gives you everything. Ruins the whole movie. So we're going to avoid that. But uh, Lone Wolf Kevin Costner is out on the water. The whole world is covered in water. This is the polar uh, ice caps melted and everything's underwater. Okay. And he's the lone wolf who by circumstance takes on this uh woman and young girl who whether or not they're related is not the point and he decides okay fine screw it i'll protect you because as would happen in a poke poke a pot i can't say it post-apocalyptic sure um pokety pockety scenario uh there is bad guys out to get whatever they can and this girl in specific is the key quote unquote to finding land. Hmm. And for for what reasons you will find out. So he's protecting her. Pirates are trying to get her. And chaos ensues in the open water. I noticed that I would said water pirates like there was a different kind of pirate. <laughs> As opposed to space pirates, right? Or butt pirates. Uh, or, yeah. I see? mean, they can be water pirates too, though. True. Oh, that was inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes. the. Hey, the I'm not you, going to shame those pirates' alternative no, lifestyles. No king shaming. We've made that very clear. That is the one rule. Unless kink shaming is your kink. Oh. That's the paradox. And we can't do anything about that. So, yes, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Pirates are after them. They're not going to let them get it. Cool. 
there's other fun things that I've heard picked on about this movie that I disagree with their uh, assessments. But the one thing I will leave you with is this movie, along with my other favorite action movie of all time, Con Air, is listed as movies better than initially judged. I went through Google and I typed in literally just to see if this happened. Um, movies that are better than reviewed or rated or some shit like that. You know, I basically typed in movies that are and it auto-filled in Google. Mm-hmm. And I clicked on five different lists and Waterworld was in four of the five lists. So while it's, its reputation may be one thing, open mind. Okay. Open mind and open hearts. Hey, I like Mad Max and I'm okay with water. And you I don't have a Costner. strong opinion about water. Was Costner in Aliens? Was he? Uh, not Aliens. Sorry, not Aliens. Um, the the M Night Shyamalan, the movie about aliens, Field or no? That was uh, Signs, is what you're thinking. Signs. Of. That was the main guy, Mel Gibson. Ah, oh, yes. They're very similar guys. Just one. You know, hates... the one was actually Mad Max, yeah. and the other one was just trying. <laughs> I think to be. that was happening. At least Costner doesn't eat Jews. Mm, that's true big plot if i had to pick between who Look, i was gonna it's support. hard to have a strong opinion about kevin costner that's the thing <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good point they did a funny uh family family guy joke about that they like go to see a movie and they're like oh who's the lead kevin costner oh and they walked out of the theater so <laughs> all right let's get into the movie super long we got a lot of us food and snacks we're good to go uh otherwise any any final predictions for the movie before we jump into it um if you had to rate it now based off reputation rate it and then we'll get your final rating uh do it however you want school grade one to a hundred five stars whatever i'm gonna give it a c minus because of the (laughs) runtime okay that's fair yeah it is really long and whether or not it holds your attention we'll find out so we'll be back friends was Waterworld. it took you guys five seconds to watch all of Waterworld. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great i'm gonna put some sort of like sound intro in there i did pull up some fun facts before we jump too far into this movie excellent one it de- it actually was at the time of release the most expensive movie ever made and what year was it released in 1995 all right and the reasoning is 100 million dollar budget uh the entire set uh, which we'll explain, but you know that town, that barge that was floating in the yep, middle there? The, the trash island. Yeah, that entire thing got destroyed by a hurricane halfway through production. Did they rebuild the And they rebuilt the entire this? thing, oh, yeah. Geez. And this was built in a, uh open seawater enclosure type thing out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Hawaii. Mm. Uh, because how else? I mean, the whole movie is nonstop on the ocean. Yep. You can't like... Green back then, at least like green screen it to full effect. You need like the open expanses of water. Now, I did notice that there was a lot of practical effects going on in this movie. A ton, yeah. Um, and actually, they the director noted Mad Max Two Fury Road as wait was that Fury Road? No, it's three. Mad Max Two. Uh, what's it called? Hold on, it's right here. Mad Max Three is Beyond Thunderdome. Four is Fury Road. Two. Two. What is was... two? 
Uh, it's the one everyone likes, too. The Road Warrior. Yeah, yes, Road Warrior. Uh, cited that as a major inspiration for the film, and you definitely get that. I can see that. Oh, from the aesthetic to the majority use of practical effects to To even the way that Kevin Costner's character is kind of framed in the narrative where he's he's kind of just on the outside of things. Events are happening, and he's kind of just there while they happen. So so what I was saying earlier, I wanted to clear it up so we have actual facts. I don't want to be spouting misinformation. It's uh, Kevin Costner and Kevin Reynolds. They had worked together previously on like Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and Fandango and stuff. Not Men in Tights. Not Men in Tights. Prince of Thieves. You're right. Yes. <laughs> um, and Rapa Nui. I don't know. They'd worked on four, uh, three other movies together. So they did this one. And halfway through production, or not halfway, like three quarters of the way through production, Reynolds actually stepped off the project. So that's why he gets full direct to. Okay, so Costner didn't uh, didn't rip it away from him. Reynolds stepped back from it. And it says, uh, Kevin Reynolds receives full direct credit as director, but he did leave the project as star Kevin Costner was constantly plaguing him with unwanted backseat driver director okay. uh, mentality in nearly every single scene, to the point that Reynolds left the project and Costner himself continued it. I kind okay. of picture that as like... So he just a, annoyed him off the project. <laughs> I kind of picture that as like, a, all right, Kevin, when you jump off the boat, you're going to want to do this kind of dolphin swim and kevin's like well 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 hold on what if i did it like this and he's like oh okay fine yeah sure you're the director why why not and then he fucking just bounced but you know i know maybe kevin costner was just very method and acting like his character in the movie because his character in the movie is a huge asshole unlike mad max (laughs) despite having probably like 80 percent screen time he has maybe the least dialogue of anyone in the movie and he's not, like, they want this guy to be a badass, and he kind of is. Yeah. But they kind of, like, when you're making a character like that, you kind of have to toe the line between, like, lovable badass and this guy's just an asshole, and they don't ever quite get him back toward lovable badass. Yeah, they he's just... kind of just an asshole. It's just movie. like a lone wolf sort of leave me alone mentality for half the movie. And that might be a bit of Costner, because, yeah. once again... He fails to actually have a discernible personality. Yeah. Like he's not there's nothing bad about his performance, but there's nothing that stands out yeah. either. And then halfway through the movie they do a small turn uh, because of the whole dynamic with the friendships. But even then it's a very small turn. It's a specifically with the young girl sort of friendship. It's, it's not like, like a oh he's a good guy. It's like so. I it goes from I hate everyone to I can tolerate these two people kind of, yeah. but I'd still rather not be around them. Yeah, exactly. But last fun fact trivia. So the movie when it came out um, was a major flop, and they didn't res- uh, get back all of their money. Mm-hmm. But they did eventually turn a profit after video release and merchandising and stuff like that. It also created, uh, what is it called? There's three different, right here. The films uh, got a tie-in novel, a video game, and three themed attractions. The video game was on the Virtual Boy. Was it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It got three themed attractions at Universal Studios Hollywood, Universal Studios Singapore, and Universal Studios Japan called Waterworld, a live sea war spectacular, all of which are still running. A stunt show, okay. As of 2018, they're all still going on, yeah. I could actually see that being pretty cool to watch. Um, so besides like DVD release and all that, it actually did turn a profit and is no longer considered a flop. Theatrical flop, but not a production But flop. afterwards, they ended yeah. up... Okay. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, so the movie takes place in the future. They never give you a year. Uh, right. And uh, all you know is the polar ice caps have melted completely, and the entire world is underwater. And Kevin Costner plays the Mariner. Doesn't yeah, he actually doesn't have get a, name. a name. Just them, and they don't. They only call him the Mariner at the very end. They literally don't call him. They until don't the, call him any names until the very, except for maybe Freak occasionally. But. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, mute. Oh, they don't call him a mutant. They just yell it out. Um, mutation. They don't actually call him directly a mutant. But mm. so he plays a uh, seafaring lone man. Who, a drifter. They call a him. drifter who you find out a little bit later is mutated with webbed feet and gills. Yep. So he can he can like dolphin swim and straight up breathe underwater and swim real fast. Like that once. They only show that once uh, towards the beginning action scene. He can swim really fast. They kind of do like this cool. Yeah, he Hannah does Fekery's, like a dolphin jump out of the water. Kind of like, well, you boat. haven't seen Justice League yet, have you? No. Okay, so Justice League does a thing with Aquaman where they show him kind of swimming really fast like that. But yeah, that's the only time they show him actually like booking along. He's is, also the only mutant you see in the movie. And they make a comment like, well, if there aren't more of you, there will be because, you know, this world, yeah. it's water world. And this is just what humans are going to become eventually. Yeah. Is, is there more of your, or are all of your kind like this? And he's, I don't have no kind. And that was when they point that out. So... It kind of, I mean, but everyone knows of it, so you have to. But most humans are afraid of it. it yeah, seems. They're, they're quick. So, like, like if they notice that he's a mutant, they're immediately going to go after him. Yeah. And because of that, he doesn't like humans because everyone in Waterworld, which they actually call it in the movie, the water they probably yeah. should not have. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I not mean, going to forget halfway through that I'm watching Waterworld. It, it is, is. It is. Water is a constant character in this movie. But as the as the movie goes on, it does become rather apparent that let's say 99 percent of the population has kind of dwindled back to near neanderthal levels of intelligence everyone's very basic trade for this right it seems that you've got like a trade going on there's a few like settlements of of humans that are self-sufficient living on like little garbage islands yeah little and there just... seem to be like trading posts there's other drifters but Every single other drifter you meet in the movie, like, it's established that there's a drifter code. Yeah. Which is that if you meet a drifter, you're supposed to trade. In some capacity, yeah. Yeah, some, some, each person leaves with something new. Mm -hmm. That's, that, that's what it was. The only two times you meet a drifter in the movie, they're either crazy, assholes, or both. So the code (laughs) ends up not really mattering. Yeah, so the movie opens with your favorite scene of all time. It's Kevin Costner peeing into a plastic container i have questions about this so that he can distill it and then drink it so yeah he's got a little machine that distills his pee into drinkable water which is great but if it could distill pee into drinkable water couldn't it distill water into drinkable water so i mean it i don't know if that is actually its own level so the movie did do a few things where it tried not to be too sci-fi um salt water's salt content is insanely high i'm gonna put this on like I'm going to give this the air of the doubt that this distillation thing can't take salt out in major quantities. Yeah, but pee has a lot of other stuff in it, Oh, it too, has it's other hard shit. hard to take but... out, like ammonia and... Uh... Yeah, no, you're not wrong, but it's in lesser... I would assume that, like, the percentage of just pure H2O in pee is higher than the percentage of H2O to salt in salt water. I'm going to guess. I'm not going to Google it. I'm just going to assume, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt as a non-scientist. Mm. Like, okay, it can take out the... Because sh- even the water that comes out of it isn't, like, perfectly clear. It's kind of, like, muddy tap water almost looking sort of stuff. Like, right. cloudy tap water. So I'm going to just give it that. It's I don't know. That is a little funky, though. Like, why <laughs> not just scoop some ocean out and distill that real fast? Actually, later in the movie the distillation thing's kind of damaged and he points out that because it's damaged he can only get x amount of water out of it so mm. yeah he probably can't i guess i guess waste not whatnot like yeah it can do that maybe but... he just likes to drink <laughs> pee, <is laughs> the thing. he's the mariner no, we, we're not he's... king shaming here yeah so. but maybe that's just his thing he's just a <laughs> pee freak yeah. so pee it pee. adds a little bit of an extra flavor okay. to it and he just he, he likes that 
Plain water just isn't doesn't quite do it. Yeah, I mean when you're when you survive on purely monster fish and plain water, maybe that's the thrill. It's like seasoning a steak, would be my guess. So it opens with that, and you're just kind of like, okay, fine. Yep. And he goes for a dive. Yeah, and you don't know what he's doing on the dive at this yeah. point, but when he comes back up, another drifters come along. It, it shows a quick scene of because he has a, a a lemon tree, a very small one which obviously you would assume that plants are super valuable. You see two hands pull all the lim- limes off it, sorry, lime tree, and disappear. And then he comes up out of the water. It could have been a minute, could have been, we don't know, because you you're not aware of his situation. And uh, what does he throw up on there? Oh, uh, ski boots. He tosses mm-hmm. ski boots up on and like a sack and some bullshit that he got from, obviously, the world underneath. We don't know about yet. But... No, but he got it from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, all of a sudden you see the ship behind him and he's, oh shit. And this is where it establishes the code. They speak to each other. He tells him like, don't worry, I didn't board your ship. He's got him at gunpoint too. Oh, right, right. The harpoon gun thing. No, the big, the big harpoon, the the end point harpoon, like the full on. And, uh, the guy's like, oh no, no, I didn't board, I didn't board your ship. We're cool. We're good. We're Gucci. And this guy's, this is the not crazy. This is an asshole. This is just like a douche. A douche drifter. Yeah, because then, you know, he believes him, and then they're interrupted by the pirates, which are called smokers, because they have, like, they have motorboats. They're the only they, ones that do have motorboats. So, boats. they, I, I mean, you could probably interpret it two ways. Smokers, A, They ride, also all smoke. Yeah, they smoke, they, for some reason, have endless amounts of cigarettes, which I can assume... Well, they, it's it's revealed at the end of the movie how they have all of their fuel and uh, so that's the other end goods. part of the smoker is all of their machines are old rust bucket. Uh, they have a plane. They have cars on their boat. They have they uh, have motor vehicles, boats. And they have yeah. They have a, jet skis. They because they have a supply of fuel. They have like all of the fuel in the world, but it is a limited supply of fuel, and that's kind of what motivates them is that. They've been like living as these king pirates of the sea because of their advantage with these motor vehicles that can outrun all these sailboats. Yep. But their fuel supply is limited and dwindling. So yes. they want to find dry land so that they can find more fuel. So this first part, you uh, they, they agree. Kevin and Kevin Costner, the Mariner, I'll, I'll call him by his movie name. Yep. The Mariner and this uh, drifter agree to not deal with each other at all. So then all of a sudden the smokers show up on their jet skis. Three of them? I think it was three of them. Mm. And uh, the he's like, oh, you'll never run away without your sails. And this is where you learn about the just coolest boat in the history of movie dumb. Uh, yep, Kevin Costner has the coolest stuff. No real explanation is given for why he's the coolest badass on the scene, but he is. By the end, you and can... sure, you can accept that. By it's the, like a Mad Max sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, by the end, you can understand it as well, because he has access to more materials than anyone else. And he has the ability to be out in open water. He's salvaging in a way that other people can't. Yeah, he can get anything. He can stay in open water as long as he wants. He doesn't have to go in and, like, get other people to work on his shit. He can do what he wants. So Mm -hmm. you can buy that. And this guy laughs at him because his sail's already up and says, you'll never outrun him and starts showing him the limes that he ate or that he stole. He starts, like, juggling them because, like, ha ha, you're going to get killed by smokers and I got your lime. There's nothing you can do about it. But then he hits, like, a button or pulls a lever and this giant sail comes up. Yeah, he does, like, a cool, like, you, you know, the old school big lever up with the metal handle on it that you squeeze and pull down. And the sail pops out and it has, like, a cool, like, extendo arm 
ability as it comes out. No. Yeah, there's like a boom that it, that extends that he has to duck under, and they have people ducking under this boom like three times, and not once in the movie does he ever use the boom to take someone out. And I was a little disappointed with that. <laughs> it's like the classic, like I got you hit in the back by the boom sort of mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool. But he does use the boat's like nonstop ability of like swinging around it quite a bit in a very cool way in a very believable there's way. a little bit of swashbuckling going yeah a ton on. of swashbuckling and uh so anyways all of a sudden the guy realizes oh i done fucked up this huge boat with massive sails that moves three times faster than anyone else is going it's outrunning the jet skis that the smokers yeah. are on so and he goes directly he instead of just fleeing he points directly at this drifter's boat goes straight over top of it rips the sails off the top yeah, because he's got, like, these pontoons connected by nets. This boat has a name. Just... It's called... Hold on, I actually found okay. it. There is a name for this type of boat. It is called the Trimarin. Okay. Like, that's the design is a Trimarin. They actually race those. Those are boats that are in, like... Uh, okay, so that explains why it's super fast, because it's a racing boat. Yeah, it's it's a main multi-hull boat, uh, which are attached to the main hull. So it's three. There's one main in the center... And two, like, uh, stabilizers off to the side. Which are connected by nets. And open case. netting in the middle, yep. And they're used for recreational racing and stuff. So, that, that so does yeah, it. so he uses the netting to, like, just cut this guy's sail off out of complete spite. And yeah. the guy just gets murdered by smokers. Yeah. He doesn't d- even get the limes back. He just murders this dude. <laughs> well, because- he's eating one when he looks up and realizes, oh, I'm going to die. He's, like, eating one. The mariner's boat comes over top of him, tears the sail off, and then he's like, oh, oh Kevin Costner makes the the yep. the next slice uh, just like fuck you buddy <laughs> it's just completely to be a dick but to be fair in the future when food and like vegetation is that rare someone steals your limes oh uh, i mean like you're gonna fuck the, the, at this point i'm still on board with kevin costner's character because it's like okay that's harsh but water world is harsh and you gotta you gotta do what you can to survive dog eat dog a fish eat fish world out here mm-hmm. shark eat shark world and it's like okay this establishes the character he's willing to do what it takes to survive yeah. he's he'll talk to you he'll he'll exchange pleasantries but if you rip him off then you're so fucked. you yeah so he now it shows him heading towards uh the garbage island. The garbage island, yeah. Tra- trash island uh, that lives off the edge of New Jersey. Um, it's just a, a big circle enclosure. Yeah, and these people walls. are like constantly in fear that the smokers are going to attack them, but they've got some defenses against yeah. them. So he pulls in, everyone's super skeptical, and he shows them that he has a jar of dirt, the most precious commodity in all of, la- of, all of anything, because you can grow seeds on it and you can yep actually actually use it as opposed to the floating metal trash that's everywhere uh and this part's pretty straightforward he rolls in everyone's skeptical there's there's yep. the... they they introduce this sheriff guy who becomes important later but yeah he's, he's but he's the... just like hey i don't want you causing any trouble here my job is to keep the peace yeah. you got two hours do your business and leave and he... i only need one yeah kevin costner doesn't want to stay here either so no. because as you find out later for obvious reasons, he's skeptical of humans. Which, mm-hmm. he is a human, I don't, you know, but whatever. So he... Well, he's not, because he's a mutant. Yeah, he's a mutant. But, I mean, a mutant human is still a human, right? Yeah, but humans treat him like shit. Exactly. As we find out, so his skepticism is warranted. Yeah, that's true. So he goes about, gets his amount for dirt. So it's like the typical pawn shop scene. They're like, oh, it's fresh dirt. Oh, we'll give you 67... What do they call them? Shekels? Uh, no. uh, it wasn't shekels. Schmeckles. It was... uh, um... Shit. There's an, it's a shard. Of... Chits. Chits. 
Blitz yep. and Chits. Yeah, of course. What? Do you think that's where Rick and Morty got it from? Blitz uh, and Chits? I mean, Chit is a word. Oh. Way to take the freaking wind out of my sails. <laughs> Nautical puns. <laughs> Rest of the episode. So, uh, he goes on, demands <laughs> twice as much as they're willing to offer him. Which they pay him. Of course, yeah. I mean, big-ass jar of dirt. But the people are none too happy. I mean, he goes to this water bar. Yeah. Or he talks to this woman, and this is where you meet the woman and the little girl. Yep. The two other main characters whose names are... I don't know. That'll take me a minute to keep like, talking. The woman had like a really normal name, and then the girl had like a fantasy name. Of course she did. I so mean, it was like Helen and Eola or something like that. It was exactly Helen and Enola. Okay. <laughs> this close. Uh, and their whole sitch is they work there because they have to, you know. Humans find refuge in each other. Either you work for the smokers or you work for a small town. It's pretty much your only two options. Right. And he, he, you know, this guy approaches him who is trying to pump him for information. And it's later revealed that this guy is a smoker spy and is like the number two for the smokers. Super douchey, long blonde hair, kind of looks like a lion. He's yep. just like, I'm, I'm out because I... And they've been scouting this place because the little girl has a tattoo on her back that they believe is a map to dry land. Yep. And you find that out because there's a crazy what you would assume is kind of like addict like you can they're drinking liquor they never call it that they call it um uh, they have a term for what they call the green liquid that he's sipping and he's like i gotta have it man let me have just a sip and he's like well after you tell me so this is where you first hear the tale that she has markings and those markings will direct us towards dry land mm -hmm. and so the guy goes over he's chit-chatting he sees the little girl has the tattoo and he does like a little smile and uh Tries to get the Mariner to buy him a drink, who obviously the Mariner don't take no shit from nobody. Tells him to go screw. Uh, and this guy, whose name I don't remember as well, but I have it right here. He's like, all right, I'm just going to leave. Don't think nothing of it. I'm just going to walk on out of here, which you obviously find out is... Oh, his name is Nord. Nord. I don't ever okay. remember him being called Nord. I'll just call him number two, because that's what he is. Yeah, fair. Number two. And he, uh, oh, it's worth noting, which I pointed this out to you, that Enola is played by Tina Ma Majorino, Maharino. Which is know. a name that you probably don't remember unless you're a huge fan of Napoleon Dynamite. She's Deb from Napoleon Dynamite, yep. the main girl, uh, who ends up dating Pedro for a little while before. Here she goes to prom with Pedro, and then mm -hmm. you find out that she, I don't, it's, but anyways, that's the actress. And, uh... So this guy leaves and you think nothing of it. He's just a tool who's looking for information, whatever. Right, and then the townsfolk are like, this guy's hiding something. I don't know what it is, but I know he's hiding something. The Mariner, not so, the douche. Yeah, the Mariner. So they go and they call him out of being as being a smoker spy, which the douche is, the Mariner isn't, but yes, that's enough that they hold him up and they see that he's got gills. And they're like, oh, mutant, throw him in. Mutation! They, they, they want to just kill him, but the sheriff guy is like, Oh, no, I laid down the rules. He's followed all the rules, so I don't want to just kill him right here. Not in front of everyone, not in this big scene, because at this point in time, freaking uh, the Mariner killed one guy or two guys? He killed the one guy in the water. He killed one guy in self-defense. Yeah. and they uh, were all attacking him. So the sheriff does him the, a... The sheriff kind of does him a favor. A minor like, kindness. We're, we're the ones who broke the peace here. He was just going to leave, and yeah. we didn't let him, so... And, but he understands he's also one of those humans that's like, yeah, I guess we have to burn the witch, so to speak. We have to get rid of the mutant. Mm, he's clearly not okay with the fact that they're killing this guy, but... He's paid he's like, to do this job. Yeah. So they lock him up, and he goes up, and this is where you meet the uh, cliched sci-fi uh, mad scientist, the yeah, Albert Einstein. Gregor, I think. 
Yeah, and the actor uh, is actually a really, really famous actor who I can't remember what else he's in, but it's Michael Jetter who plays Old Gregor. Mm, as opposed to Old Greg. Well, the main reason I know him, he's in a movie as like a, a creepy old guy. Like a, he plays a bad... Oh, yeah, The Green Mile. Oh. He's the pedophile, the fucking okay. dirtbag in the in the cage, which... So he's just a character actor who plays all of these, like... Yeah. Although the character in this movie that he's playing, old Greg, isn't really a scumbag. A good, no, he's, no, he's a good guy. He's just a scientist who, uh, he's trying to help Helen and Enola find land. He's aware of the tattoo. Mm. And then he, uh, they go to put Kevin Costner's character, the Mariner, to death, and they start... By recycling, which is just dunking him into some poo water. Yeah, it's yeah, it's lowering him into just. Oh, it's like this compost. You see, them dump yeah. jump a dead body into it uh, at the beginning. So they just like all organic matter. They just dump it into this compost yeah. heap, and that's and how they. I, I, use, I assume they things. use it as like fertilizer and stuff. Because yep. there's a tomato plant that he tried to buy or that he did buy earlier. Yeah, so they're just gonna drown him in this poo water. Yeah, just poo water. And uh, as they start to lower him down into be recycled. All hell breaks loose. Because the smoke, the actual smoker spy that they did nothing yeah. about Number two, has reported back, and he's brought back his boss, the deacon, who is for some reason played by Dennis Hopper. What are you doing in this movie? Didn't Listen, you learn from Mario Brothers? I was just Wait, about to why say. Why are you here? Dennis Hopper's whole MO is I play really bad villains in really bad movies. He's playing Dr. Evil in this movie. They uh, so despite it being super corny, and he's great because he's Dennis Hopper. But yeah, he's it's actually a really like he's probably so, actually the most interesting character in the movie. I'd say he's the best acted role in the mm -hmm. whole movie, without a doubt. Besides, like maybe Jack Black, oh, and, yeah, uh, <laughs> which he actually gets acting credits if you search Waterworld cast. He does. There's one scene, so he's the pilot when he, they're attacking him. But there's one scene when they're on the barge, and you don't know they're on the big oil barge at this point. He's just sitting behind Dennis Hopper's character, just like talking to the wall, kind of being crazy. Mm. And I was looking for him really hard, and then it does it does pan in on him just for a second. You actually, there's no one else in the frame. It just shows him kind of like dirty, doing nothing, and that's it. It's just and you see him in the plane. You're like, who's this Jack Black looking? Dude? Oh, it's Jack Black. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that actually is who we thought it was. And uh, anyways, so they come, and this is probably, if not the most expensive, the second most expensive scene. This is a huge action scene. It's setting. like a 30 No, this minute. has got to be the most expensive yeah. scene, especially with the hurricane wiping out the set. <laughs> yeah. You have, so, I mean, it's an action scene. We could describe every movement, but that would do us no good. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a neat scene. There's a lot of, there's 20 a lot minutes, of things going I would say on. Minimal. There's, it's. It's not badly shot. It's not badly no. framed. But the, and this introduces good and it's fun. This introduces all the cool techniques that the smokers have. So they've got multiple boats. They've got massive machine guns. That, they do some cool tricks too. Like the, they, they have guys barge. on jet skis. Yep. They have um, and the jet skis are like towing guys that are water nope, skiing. That was the plane. Oh yeah. So they've got jet skis. They they put up a ramp, and you've got jet skis jumping the ramp to land inside of the. Town. One jet ski hits the water and goes under the wall. Yeah, they hit a jump rad. and dive. They actually, I was happy they did this. They do show that these people are kind of idiots at the same time because a plane is pulling uh, uh, water skiers to jump and land inside as well. And some of them like run into the side and fall down. They don't actually make oh, the yeah, jump. So they've got like overpowering technology, but they're kind of like cartoonishly incompetent. Because you got all of them all the way up to Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Everything is uh rusty, falling apart, exposed metal and tubes. You gotta assume that this stuff isn't a hundred percent. So these people are just using it as a Neanderthal who finds a motorcycle would. Just floor it and see what happens. 
And uh, so they're flying in from the top. They're coming in underneath. They're shooting the entire wall down. People are dying. Kevin Costner's cage gets shot out the air and ends up falling into the compost. Right, and he keeps trying to get something to pick the lock with, but like he ends up breaking a knife. Eventually, a guy just flops into the cage, oh, yeah, which knocks over. it over. Which now he's in the mud. Yep. Um, the recycle. He gets a he gets a knife from the dude, and he's trying to pick the lock, but. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Gregor is accidentally <laughs> yeah. like starts this flying machine. He falls into like, a well, lever, as everything in this world. A lever could just starts it all. And he's like, well, guess I'm running out of here. Yeah. And the girl, the Helen and the little girl, they they just wanted to escape with Gregor. But he's like, the machine's going. There's nothing I can do about this now. I'll throw you a rope. Oh, I, I suck at throwing ropes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's very uh, Wizard of Oz sort of like oh, shit, this got away from me and there's nothing I can do about it sort of a scene. I mean, they do it well. It's not overly corny, but it's a pretty corny scene. Mm. And as they run out, they see that the little girl points and you see Mariner almost completely under at this point. So she Mm. runs over, pulls him up and says, if we save you, you take us with you. And he just goes, all right. Mm. Yeah, he he just goes, all right. And in a matter of one swing, she grabs like this random bar and breaks the lock almost as if it wasn't there. And pulls him up out and then begins the uh, escape scene of the first time you see the Mariner be super badass. He ju- he dives in the water and does this awesome swim. He does a dolphin, dolphin launch. Jump, you know? Yeah. Grabs two guys, throws them in the water. He's stabbing dudes. He's shooting dudes. He has a, a really cool scene. This is where you see kind of the first little connection. There's a guy about to shoot the sheriff and his daughter. And he throws his machete in like the sweetest like across well, I was going to say across the map, but this isn't Call of Duty. Like, across the way and just machetes a dude in the chest and knocks him right off that freaking edge. And they get through the gates, even though it's, it's it's a little harrowing. There's a bit of a fight at the gates, but he gets through the gates with the with the ladies. People, yeah, they almost don't make it. And, Boat almost gets stuck. You know, classic action. Drums. And then one of the one of the smokers is just going to town with this machine gun and spinning in circles. The, his, his name's Piggy in the credits because uh, <laughs> he has the, a, a mask on with a big like square or circle nose, and he's just having the greatest time. And Dennis Hopper's just like, hey. The fight's over. Why is that dude still shooting? Uh, and so the reason why this is a big deal is the Mariner shoots his massive harpoon, hooks the guy's boat, and starts turning him. Starts aiming him and at... And the guy doesn't even notice this is happening because he's just having such a fun and time And his glasses shooting. are totally blacked over. You see at the end when he pulls it up, the, the hard like charcoal line. I'm assuming he just can't see anything and he's just like, shoot till you can't shoot. Yep. That's like his orders. Um, he ends up. Gunning. He can't see. They're trying to signal him to stop, but he can't see that either. He ends up gunning down pff, a dozen jet skis, and then eventually it gets turned directly on the main boat with Dennis Hopper, and he just says, "See you later, boys." And he goes to jump off the barge, and it explodes. Mm-hmm. And this is where it shows them raiding the village. After this, the Mariner and the two girls get away. Shows him raiding the village, and he's missing an eye. Yep, and he's just got a he's just got a sweet eye patch throughout the rest of the movie. They try to put in a fake eye, but that doesn't. It, it did not work out. Um, but this is classic Dennis Hopper, where the, that's like one of my favorite scenes, where he's like, first one to speak lives," and the, he has two prisoners hung. Up they on both the wall. they both immediately start talking. <laughs> and he just shoots one of them. They're like, "Okay, you win." Yeah. <laughs> and the guy tells him where the little girl is. They're all after the little girl because they all need uh, dry land. And then he goes to shoot the guy. And he's like, "Wait, you said if I talk, I'll you'll let <laughs> yeah. me live." And he's like, "Did I? Yeah. Do I have any witnesses?" And he's like, "Oh." 
Oh, I might have, I might have said that, and then he just gives it to his number two, and the number two shoots him, which was pretty good. It's a, I don't know, everything in this movie. Dennis felt, Hopper is actually having fun with this role because he is a good actor and has, he can make it work. Has Dennis Hopper ever not had fun in a role? Has he ever not had a good time? Mm-hmm. He's a pretty good character actor. I really like Dennis Hopper. Yeah, he's a great actor in general. Fair, good point. Mm-hmm. Mm. But so after this, you realize. Smokers coming after the girl. That's their whole MO. And guess who she's with? Wait, who tells him? Who points out that he's with the uh, fish man? Was, did the, the guy, guy that he, was, the guy that talked. He did say, he's like, oh, he left with uh, the boat that got away. Yeah, it was a drifter and it was a mutant. So he knows it's a mutant that he's dealing with. Um, and this is where they, all, they also go back to their tanker and you see that like he goes to check on his supply of oil and they just have a guy that lives down there. A, a very thin, pale man with long hair and a long beard. He just been lives in there. an oil tank and is probably dying from petroleum fumes. Yeah, he just point, lives but... in the boat in a little like dinghy. They don't actually explain anything about that character and they don't have to. It's kind of perfect. Yeah. He's just down there and he says, uh, just thought you should know we're at four feet, nine inches of oil left. And this is where they point out that they're they're running out quick. So he's like, uh, spare no oil, finding the girl, shut everything else off. Or cancel your tractor pull. Yeah. Because <laughs> so it's a community. It's a huge, huge tanker, like almost like an Air Force, Air Force, Air Force. Carrier. They tell you exactly what it is at the end. Yeah, but we'll get there because there's yes. a big, th- there's a big, uh, the reason that boat is significant is really funny. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's not funny. It's terrible, but it's really funny for the way they did it in the movie. Mm-hmm. So this is where you get to see Jack Black's character quick. So this is okay. So there's a, this is actually kind of where the movie grinds to a halt, and you start to feel the three hour run. It slows down. Up until this point, the movie's pretty great, actually. Right? Yeah, I'm having a good time. But then the entire middle of this movie, it just grinds to a halt. I feel like this is where maybe both the the dual direct, directorial effort uh, kind of screwed them because there, it's very mixed between showing that he's badass and showing that they're trying to find land. To it's oh, a, it's he's a lot actually of him, got a heart. You know, it's a lot mean? of him just being an asshole to these girls. Yeah. Like first, he wants to throw the little girl overboard. Yeah, better and, that two of you, one of you dies now than both of you die later. And the the woman's trying to stop him. Helen's trying to stop him, and he's just beating the shit out of her with the sails. She yeah yeah right. He drops the entire sail and then hits her with an oar and knocks her unconscious. To be fair, she was holding him at harpoon point. She was. Uh, she also tries to, like, barter with him with her body. She gets naked and is like, okay, dude. And he doesn't stop her from getting, he's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but no, I don't mm-hmm. need you. But no. <laughs> yeah. But thanks, that was nice. Nice boobies, though. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate the show. Uh, and, yeah, it takes a, it, it does do some very important things. So, for example, it shows you another drifter. And this one's important, because this shows the character turn for oh, the Oh, he gets attacked for, by Jack Black first, but. By the plane? Yep, because okay. he's the resin. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yes. So he gets attacked by the plane. Finds him. They send this. Yeah, uh, the uh, the smokers are scouting to find him. Yeah. Now, so and instead plane. of just saying, "Hey, we found him," and heading back, they decide to open fire on the entire boat, which I thought was they poor do, sight. Jack Black does say, "Don't shoot the girl," but but <laughs> even if they sank the whole boat, the little girl's just out in open water until someone can get there. They don't know that she can't swim, which is a thing that they mentioned. That That's the true. Can't swim. So. As they attack, they start shooting and shooting uh, this massive machine gun, and he goes down because you have you're under the impression he could definitely handle this himself. But the girl doesn't realize that she just sees he disappeared to the under bottom side of the boat, so she decides to take matters into her own fucking stupid hands. 
And she fires the big and harpoon. And fires the gun. harpoon and, and hooks it's a good sh- It's a good shot. She gets it right through the gunner. That's the one thing this movie does throughout the whole thing that's kind of goofy. Every single shot is a good shot besides the machine gun stuff. Yes, whenever which it, never can hit. Whenever it takes actual accuracy, it's 100% accurate. Like, the funniest part is when they're trying to shoot down Gregor and he's in this blimp and the balloon is huge and they don't even aim for the huge balloon. They're just like machine gunning toward the, the little like basket. Floated basket, yeah. Oh yeah, spoiler alert, old Gregor comes back. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyways, uh, this fucks up his whole boat because it, it hooks the plane and then the plane has to do circles because they're hooked. And it starts destroying the sails. It rips the fucking harpoon off the front of the boat. Uh, the boat's at this point, has holes in its sails, holes in the undercarriage. It's fucked up. The netting gets torn up. Yeah, and uh, the mariner's pissed. And as he goes, he climbs to the top of his sails. As he goes to kill the pilot, finally, to kill Jack Black, Jack Black shoots the rope and gets away. Mm-hmm. So you're right. They do need resin to repair the boat. So this is where you meet... Uh, the other drifter. Drifter number two, the crazy guy. Who's crazy and an asshole. And Irish or Scottish? He's or... got like an Irish accent, but it's kind of all over the place. Paper. Fresh paper. Yeah, and... so he offers that he wants to do a trade. And he wants to trade the paper. He has paper that he no, salvaged from he something. he has paper. Paper. There we go. He has paper. He has paper. And he uh... wishes to trade. <laughs> yeah, and he wants it for... Oh, no. First off, this guy's a fucking pedophile freak. Oh, yeah, because he's like... Oh, half hour with the one the, with the wee one. No, he says half hour with her, and he goes forty five minutes with the wee one. I like to do the talking, and uh, he, the guy just is like, or, "What does he say?" He says something badass, just like thirty minutes, and he pulls the he grabs the canister from him. So, so Kevin Costner is willing to trade the a jar of paper to for, for a jar the woman what? Helen a jar of paper. Thank you, thank you for the woman Helen. But he does, in fact, draw the line that letting some weird dude molest a little girl. Yeah. So that's how you know he has a heart of gold. Yeah. Well, to be fair, this is the first character change for the Mariner. The guy goes under there and he starts being a real fucking creep uh, trying to get... Well, not a creep. Yeah, eventually, he's made like, the trade. He's like looking at the paper and he's like, what am I doing? This is stupid. Yeah. Why am I doing that? I'm supposed to be the good guy in this movie. Yeah, so he goes downstairs and this is where she is... Helen's about to have a fisticuffs with this fucking Irish drifter and he goes down and he says trades off well you can, you can't do that we had a trade we had a deal we had a deal and then he, he always repeats or triple triplicates everything that what he about the paper do. yeah paper 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 and uh so then he throws him the paper canister at him the girl helen goes upstairs and for some fucking reason this dude's out of his damn mind pulls a knife and decides it's a good idea to have a fight on this other guy's boat uh i own him he keeps saying Mm-hmm. And the fight goes as you would expect. They do pull a little fake out where the guy comes up out of the the below deck beforehand. A little dazed, like, a little crazy. But then he turns around and you see that he's got just this big knife wound in his this back big, and he falls over. This big hole and yep. a bunch of blood running down and he's like, I gotta get to my boat. And he tries to get on the net, falls over and Kevin Costner's like, alright, let's get your shit. Starts just looting. Looting the boat. Yeah, it turns out though he didn't have much to offer. So he kicks him over. He didn't have any resin. He didn't have any. Yeah, he didn't. That was a good line read from earlier in the movie for the, because he didn't want to deal with this guy in the first place. But the Helen is like, he, you know, he could have supplies. He could have food. Yeah, because she's so hungry at this point in time, which we don't know how long it's been since they've eaten or how long they've been on the open water. Could be could be a real long time. She could really need that food. We don't know. We don't know. I apologize, headphones. So he. So he, uh, 
loots the boat, kicks the guy off, and this whole time, I know we're skipping a lot. This is a three-hour-long movie. Yeah, because this part's really boring. It's just, like, general, like, like for example, the little girl finds crayons downstairs, starts drawing on everything. And and he's like, don't draw on things. Okay, maybe you can draw on things. <laughs> yeah, but because... I'm not going to... It basically is like, yeah, don't draw on things. Okay, you can draw on things. Oh, after after Jack Black did... He does the weirdest thing to these to these women. So he goes up to the woman with his knife. He throws her down. And he's going, and he throws her down, and he cuts her hair. Yeah. And then just like in random spots, he just starts cutting hair. He's like, "All right, you you, you fuck my entire boat. No hair for you. I'm gonna cut your hair." Yeah. And then he sees the little girl. The little girl's like, "She said she's sorry. You're supposed to say something back." And then he looks at her, and the next scene, the little girl's got her <laughs> yeah, hair cut she, too. She's got down to like nothing, just like little like boy haircut almost. I don't know why I did that, but that's basically that was weird. <laughs> that's a solid hour of them constantly. You'd think. After a while, they'd realize, okay, this guy's a fucking asshole, and I don't like being abused. This is one of those '90s uh, women are powerless sort of. Uh, oh yeah, they, they they start to find his assholeishness, and he doesn't really become less of an asshole. He lets the girl have the crayon. That's it. That's about it. Which is nice. That is a nice scene. He actually he does soften up toward the little girl. Yeah, but so never so much toward the women. But this to whole the, time, the woman. they're constantly being jerks to him, and he's constantly being twice a jerk to them. In multiple different ways. Like, she's drawing on the boat, and he gets furious. Like, the boat, I have it just the way I like it. His dialogue was weak as F. Like, even for only having a few stoic words, they were still, like, not choice words. Whoever wrote the script... I don't like crayons. He doesn't actually <laughs> say that, but he gets pretty It was basically that. that. And, uh, but then you start to see the nice side of Kevin Costner. For example, she can't swim, the little girl. So, so he does start trying to teach her to he swim. He takes her into the water, and swims under and he's smiling and she's having fun and uh helen is getting pissed about this dry land it's been x amount of days and he's like fine you really want to fucking see dry land i'll show you i'll show you exactly what it is we're not then we're not there yet because oh, that's after right. the trading post because at this point he's <gasps> yeah. he's kind of being nice he's like okay yeah we're gonna go find dry land mm-hmm. don't, don't don't worry we'll, we'll we'll figure this out and i i get the impression that he's being nice to the little girl because he kind of sees her as a kindred spirit because she's considered kind of weird and freaky because the woman is not her mother nope she just kind of drifted to this place mysteriously and already had the tattoo on her back she could never swim which is you know in water world that's a <laughs> that's a weird thing how do you not well hold on so Based. everyone's always kind of seen her as a weirdo and an outcast. Before the trading post, this is important. This is what helped me explain why she can't swim. So after they never got any food, they <laughs> move on. And he's like, all right, fine. You're fucking hungry. I'll I'll, I'll get you food. Oh, yeah. Because they wanted the whole reason the trade happened. She was going to get the fishing pole. So he throws the fishing pole off water. And he's like, you don't ever catch anything of use with that. And he jumps in the water with this sweet dual harpoon with special arrows Drifts back behind the boat and does this kind of like side to side dance, which I interpreted it as like, you know, like a fish lure. Like, hey, look mm-hmm. at me. And this big ass, weird the sea monster, side mouth the CGI sea monster, sea monster. Uh, just to eat him in one bite. And while he's inside the sea monster, he uses this sweet dual harpoon to blow two holes out the side of the fish. And then it fast forwards ahead. You can assume he killed it and or at least ripped a good enough chunk out. It's probably not the first time he's done that. Yeah. And he gets out and they're cooking these big, huge hunks of fish. And it's cool. The sea monsters never come up again, though. Yeah. They're asleep for the rest of the movie. But that's why maybe I would understand why people are never in the water. That's why you never see people in the water. They're always... They do say, though, that 
pretty much everyone in Waterworld can swim. Yes. The fact that this girl can't is weird. But that might be why they would never teach her because yeah. of the monsters. Yeah, why put her in the water? Like, when they go, when they show up to the trading post in the very beginning, not the trading post, sorry, Garbage Island, there's a uh, hammerhead shark hanging upside down. So, you know, people would yeah. still be in- intimidated by the predators. And they do, they do, there is, by the end, a reasonable enough explanation of why the girl can't swim, because she was born on land. Exactly. So Spoiler she's not alert. from the water world people. Yeah. And who knows how old she was when she left, because the girl doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. So... They go to this trading post and there's these people waving and all that. And they're like, oh, well, he yells out in Greek. It turns out their language is Greek. And, right. Um, the drifter at the beginning was also speaking a different language, yes, too. Yes, yes. And they always address, when they show up to Garbage Island, what's your language? English. <laughs> so there is groups. There's dialects. There's, you know, no longer countries. But there <laughs> is, like, everyone that survived Waterworld separated and obviously kept their languages. But as they're approaching, he sees that there's, like, blood in the water. And he's like, uh, something's No, wrong. it's oil. Oh, it is oil. From the smokers underneath. Oh, from the... Because as yeah. soon as he sees the oil, he runs downstairs. As he's downstairs, he's looking at a periscope that's under the water. He sees uh, smokers tied underwater with a uh, with their jet skis, which I never really... They don't show you what they're tied to down there to hold that much buoyancy of a jet yeah, ski. They have some sort of rope thing going on. Yeah, maybe still... the water's not super deep here and they were able to tie off under to like a rock or something. I don't know. I kind of doubt that because if they, people could commonly get down to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, that would... that's true. So yeah. they have it down somehow. But either and, uh, way, and the people on top are actually just dead and they're being puppeteered so, by Dennis Hopper. Yeah, so the girl, Helen, uses a periscope to see that while... Uh, Kevin Costner's, uh, the Mariners down seeing them underwater and they're like, oh, we got to go. So this is just a, it's not a very big scene, but it's a quick getaway. Right. But it makes it apparent that they're after the girl. Yeah. Like, oh shit. They know how to track us. Kevin Costner gets shot, but it's like a barely a flesh wound shot. doesn't slow him down. It's like, but it's enough to make him angry. Yeah. It's through the, uh, under your ribs, you know, luckily didn't hit a kidney sort of a gunshot. You see it all the time. We've and, all been there. You know, it's not even going to slow him down, but it's enough to make him mad. And he's like, why are they after the girls? Why do they want this girl so bad? Yeah. And the woman explains it's because she has the tattoo that they believe can lead the land. He's like, that's stupid. Oh, that's, it's a myth. That's a myth. And they're like, but you've been to dry land. And he's like, oh, you want me to show you what dry land right. is? I'll and show you what dry land is. He quickly is like, all right, let's go. And they hop down and he has this air bubble in the in the water. Yep. And he's like, get in. Well, what about the girl? Oh, there's only air for one. And it shows this this sweet jellyfish-looking plastic dome with enough air in there that she could get up in it, and this big-ass metal weight underneath it, which I'm assuming is used to pull it down. Which, fun fact, that thing could not pop... Even if it was made of lead, I don't think would pull that air bo- pocket under. But we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Also, that air pocket would not last long either. No, it wouldn't. She, she would, would pass that out, out yeah. quick. <laughs> So they go down and they spend enough time just swimming through. They see that there's like an underwater city where he's been salvaging all of these artifacts. Yeah, there's and also that's how he's been getting the dirt. He just gets it from the ocean floor and dries it out and like grifts these people by selling them ocean dirt. Classic con man. Which I guess, I mean, I guess it works because you can still plant the stuff on it once it's like dried out. Yeah, I mean, it's still just dirt. It's not sand or nothing. Um, It hasn't been long enough for everything to be just so. All these buildings, there's moss and coral. There's a submarine sunken down under there that's being uh, fucking turned into a coral reef. Uh, and she's just, like, blown away. He's just dropping flares, you know, so that they can, to light the way. And really, it doesn't do much other than, this is the kind of scene 
where, and this happens multiple times, like when he's teaching the girl how to swim, maybe cut that scene in half. Maybe, maybe you didn't need it to be 10 minutes long of just vast, like your budget would have been less. The movie would have been more, a better, more well paced. Mm-hmm. A little bit drawn out here, I'll admit. It's definitely a little drawn out. They're trying to show the wonder and majesty of this scene. Yeah. And the score of the movie is trying really, really hard to be John Williams. This movie which... was nominated for an Oscar for the sound. Yeah, the, the soundtrack is not bad, but yeah. they're trying really hard oh, to like ape a John Williams this sort is, of sound. This is very... like I'm trying to think of a movie that's comparable in, in what they were attempting to do. It was like a mix between... Jurassic Park. Star Trek, John, or not Star Trek, Star Wars. I would say it's Jurassic John Park's probably the closest, though, because um, even Star Wars. Indiana was, Jones. Indiana Jones is another good one, um, but the, the reason why I didn't say Indiana Jones or Star Wars is those are not as drawn out of showing you open expanses. Right. Whereas Jurassic Park literally spends time just showing you the world. So, yeah, it's very, very, like, look at how expansive this is. Like, look mm-hmm. at what we built here sort of a thing. And it was cool. But it it didn't land. It lasts for about twenty minutes. Yeah, it probably like I said, or it half, feels like twenty minutes. At the, yeah, half those scenes cut because especially like the the swimming one that was all slow mo. It wasn't even like dialogue and and yeah. When he's teaching her to swim, it's just and like this movie's like starting to lull, it's like hypnotically lulling you to yeah. sleep. It's like a screensaver with fish on it at this point. But to its credit, it knows when to turn it up. So they come up top. Mm-hmm. And when they get up top, they realize Dennis Hopper's there. Yeah, the the trackers found him when they escaped. Dennis Hopper specifically said, "Get me the trackers," and I'm assuming somehow they tracked him down. But the girl was able to hide before they got there, so yep. they don't know where the girl is. It's just yep. an empty ship, and he's threatening them. It does the same he thing. Does, yep. First one to speak lives. Oh wait, you know what? That didn't work last time, or he says something like that because he he did the same thing last time where he said he wouldn't kill them both. Mm-mm. And uh, neither of them talk, and he goes. He turns to number two, and he goes, "What happens when neither of them talk? Never happened before." <laughs> and he's like, "All right, that's it. Neither of you are gonna talk. I'll kill you both." And he fires the gun in the air, and then the little girl comes out. Yeah, because obviously she thinks they both killed. just died. No. And uh, they grab the girl, and he goes to kill him, and they dive into the water, and she's like, "I can't breathe under there." And he goes. I'll breathe for us both. Very and so Romeo they make and out, Juliet. So they make out underwater for 30 minutes. And they show, actually, I liked the scene because... I'm not saying that this actually runs for 30 minutes, <laughs> but that's what they're actually doing in universe, is that they're going underwater for long enough to make as the long pirates as they can, go away. Yeah. And I actually kind of like the scene because she's like freaking out. I can't breathe. He pulls her close and, you know, starts smooching her. And then you see his gills pump and air come out. Gills pump, air come out. So he's clearly working as her snorkel. Yep. And, um, and then when they get out, they're like, wow, it sucks that they took the girl. But after 30 minutes of making out underwater, we need to fuck Well, no, now. hold on. This is, and then they, they do. They explain it. So the bad guys torch the boat. So there's no boat. There's just rubble. Yep. Um, and like random pieces of hull. And they get up on there and she goes, we're going to die, aren't we? And he doesn't answer. So she touches his knee and goes, we're going to die, aren't we? Or aren't we? And he just looks down. So it's the very typical like, well, it's our last few minutes. Let's have an, a very overly emotional discussion. When I offered you my body late earlier, why didn't you take it? Because you didn't want me. You didn't really want me. And then she kisses This him. is, again, Kevin Costner being, like, <laughs> negative charisma. Yeah, exactly. Hey. And, uh, and then they smooch and they bang because it's, hey, man, DJ, if me and you are on an island and we're, like, dehydrated to death, I might make a move. Sure, why not? It's the, it's the end of your life. <laughs> you make any move you can take. So I'll, I'll give him it. 
I'll give him it. But then old Gregor comes back and he's like, hey, I heard there were people yeah. fucking yeah. down here. Yeah. Well, well, he sort of Okay, says. no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, good thing, you, or smart idea to burn down your boat. I wouldn't have known where you were otherwise. <laughs> Which, obviously, they did not mean to burn down their boat. That's uh, that's my lawyer, and I probably should have answered that, but I didn't. Uh, I bought a house. Not important. We're doing a podcast. So, if they call again, I'll take it. Um, so, Gregor pause, comes... Yeah, no worries. Gregor comes down and throws them a rope and brings them up aboard to his ship, and he explains to them, hey, other people survived. Yeah, he doesn't say any name or anyone, but he's like, other people survived, let's go. Yeah, and they've got a little floating colony that's Just led a, by the sheriff. It's like three boats tied together or something. It's a real small little thing, yeah, with the sheriff, uh, the main guard who called him a mutant, Mm-hmm. Uh, someone else who I recognized who I can't remember now off the top of my head and Kevin Costner without explanation they're all explaining it for you well he can't go on his own well, we're not going with him you go there and he'll just bring him back to us and uh, Kevin Costner with no dialogue at all just grabs his shit gets on one of the leftover jet skis from the raid and takes off mm-hmm. it was you could have done some better character work here yeah. a little bit I mean I get that at this point you realize your runtime has already passed two hours and you got to do something, but you could have done something more than just like he can't go on his own. Oh, he's gonna. Oh wait, he sw- he he drives off and then they goes. He doesn't have to go on his own, and they camera pan to the air yeah, the uh, sher- hot air balloon. Uh, yeah, the sheriff and Gregor like look up to the hot air air balloon and they're like, yeah. They don't really explain what the hot air balloon is filled up, filled with because it's not hot air. There's no engine or nothing like that. And when it starts filling with air, these containers of Maybe water like start steam. bubbling yeah i'm i'm guessing it's hydrogen so the water containers oh it could be hydrogen they start breaking it down into oxygen and hydrogen and which hydrogen would mean that if they actually did shoot it it would explode all they'd have to do is shoot it with well no they'd have to shoot it with something with fire like a bullet wouldn't explode well, a spark would explode it though yeah, so, so if, if a bullet strikes metal it would explode and it, it does have these big like because that's why the hindenburg yeah, exploded yeah, it does have these big like uh, metal uh, ropes, not ropes, but metal uh, uh, cables, uh, tying it all together and holding it apart and stuff. So yeah, it definitely would have exploded. All they needed was one bullet. Oh, so those bullets explode everything they touch. Oh my so. god! So there's one hilarious explosion at the very end of the movie. We'll get we'll there. Get That's my favorite scene in the whole movie. So uh, Kevin Costner goes, and they go in the in the air machine, and like you know. Um... This is where it first shows. Dennis Hopper tries to interrogate the girl, but he gets nothing out yeah. of her. He's trying to study the tattoo, but he can't figure and out. And she's what it being means. overly obnoxious to everyone. And this was—I feel like this is, may just be me. I feel like this specific moment is when the other director stepped off and Kevin Costner. Yeah, off. I can see why. Because the little girl has a ten-minute-long dot like monologue about how tough he is, which is set to a montage of him just killing these Murdering. guys like a badass. <laughs> he drives the uh, jet ski into a guy. He like, uh, like he does. He's the coolest guy ever. He's my an f- ice-cold killer who's killed more than he has more than fifty confirmed kills. <laughs> yeah. Including my, little girls. My favorite uh, line slash scene that ties with it is she goes, he can hide in the shadows at no- at noon. Uh, yeah, he can noon- hide in the shadows of a noonday sun. Of a noonday sun. And when she says that, he does the very classic assassin sort of come down from the shadows holding a guy at the top of a ladder with his neck snapped. Sort of like, <laughs> din and he f- fades away into the shadows. Um, but it's, it's like, a, this was actually, I liked this montage because it helped to show 
um, A, yes, we know this guy's a badass, but he's actually really badass when he has a reason to be really badass. All the rest of this was reactive badassery. This is the first proactive badassery, and I loved it. But the, but it is kind of made silly by the girl basically reciting his version of the George Washington song yeah, you, over him. You dro- He's six foot twenty, fucking kill him for fun. <laughs> yeah, you you drop her her speech, and I think you have a very good action uh, m- montage. Mm-hmm. You add her thing, and you have a very corny '90s action montage. <laughs> like it's almost as if the director had never actually seen an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie; they just had them described to them, and they were like, "Oh, I think I can do something like that." He made love like an eagle falling out of the sky. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they said that, and it went right over my head. So during this uh, whole thing, she's saying this to uh, Nord, number two. Yeah, well, Dennis Hopper's giving this speech. He's giving a very uh, presidential or dictatorial Yeah, he throws speech. out some ca- containers of spam or smeat. Smeat, copyright infringement, okay? Yeah. They can't be too careful. It's but he's also holding a bottle of Jack Daniels that is very clearly just Jack, Jack Daniels. Yeah, they don't try to cover that at all. Maybe he's said, smoking and drinking Jack Daniels. It might have said Jackie Daniels, just for to be safe. Maybe. And this wasn't the character of Deacon. This was Dennis Hopper being yeah. like, you're going to give me a cigarette and a bottle of Jack Daniels. It was I'm going to carry this throughout the entire movie. It was kind of like I'm not when, putting these down. It was kind of like when Marlon Brando brought the cat to the scene of Godfather, and he's like, nope, this is part of my character. You can't take it away from me. So he just decided to drink through it. Um, um, and everyone's being, they're like, you promised us land, you promised us results. And he's like, oh, you want results? I had a vision. Uh, and this vision showed us land, and it was brought to us by, excuse me. And they bring the girl out, and he shows him, and the crowd goes wild. And they're like, all right, everyone, get to rowing. We're going to go straight to land. And the number two's like, I thought you didn't know where land is. And I was like, I don't, but they'll just keep <laughs> rowing for months while we figure out the map. They'll row for <laughs> a month before they realize I'm bullshitting. And these huge metal oars manned by three people just all down the side of the ship just shoot out the side and start rowing. Now, it's worth noting here, and I'll get to it later. Kevin Hopper, a little bit Dennis earlier. Hopper. Yes. Dennis Hopper, a little bit earlier, had a... Uh, a very specific scene where he's standing in front of a captain and he says him and you know the, his that that previous captain was such a good man you know i aspire to be like him right that captain is a very real man yeah captain joe because this Hazelwood. is a, this is a very real ship yes. as it turns and out and we'll get to that in a second but i just wanted to point out that scene is very important so joseph captain joseph hazelwood don't google ahead wait till we get to the end of the episode we're, we're foreshadowing yeah. right now it really lays it on heavy and uh, i talked to my buddy about this at work because he saw this movie in theaters and when this movie came out in theaters and that captain was seen there was a very audible kind of like laugh amongst the people oh this would have been a current topic at the time very audible laugh and then later in the movie we get more so anyways back to modern times everyone's down rowing this girl is pissing everyone off being a real jackass and uh dennis hopper and them are all standing on there like bullshitting you know it'll take a month yada yada and then you see one man one of these uh street toughs walking down the ship He's wearing like a gas mask, so they can't see his face. Uh, big goggles. Okay. It's like ski goggles, but like the full face ones. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing their clothes because he killed a guy and took their clothes. He actually did a sweet. No, that was earlier. He did the most cool swan dive off the edge of the barge to two guys on jet skis below him and drowned them. They tried to swim up. He grabbed their ankles and was like, eh, this is a cleaner kill. And this is where Dennis Hopper has the line of the movie. The most Dr. Evil of all lines. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, hey, what do you think you're doing, you friggin' retard? <laughs> yeah, you friggin' retard. It's the 90s, okay? It's the 90s. It wasn't politically correct. <laughs> so he uh, <laughs> so he pulls his glasses off and they realize, oh, 
Oh, you got a lot of nerve, buddy, coming up on my shit. I don't remember the specifics of the dialogue, but it was, give me the girl, nobody gets hurt. Very classic uh, taken scenario. Give me my daughter, nobody gets hurt. But Dennis Hopper's like, it's over. I have the high ground. No, yeah. he doesn't actually say that. <laughs> that would have been so good if he did. And the um, guy goes, oh, he's bl- oh, oh, no, hold on. He pulls Sorry. out a flare. Go walks over to the oil hole. The, it goes straight down to the tanker for some reason, which I don't think actually exists on those ships, but maybe sure, back the, then it the did. The oil hole. The oil hole. It goes all the way down to the bottom where all the oil is stored. And he holds a flare over it, and he says, you know what this is? I'll drop it, and it'll blow this whole thing, or it'll, it'll all go up in flames or something like that. And they go, oh, you're bluffing. And the little like, girl. You won't do it. The little girl goes, he never bluffs. She's the greatest hype man since Flava Flav in this movie. <laughs> yeah. She really loves this guy. Despite him beating her pseudo mom. He chucks her in the water at some point her before to, she, you yeah, know, she can't swim. Throwing her into the ocean to die. Cutting her hair off for coloring. Constantly smacking her. He hits her like four times. She's still his biggest fan. Which I thought was just great. And, uh. So they so they all have guns on him, and for no reason, like I mean, for obvious reason, but without like so so much as like a fake shot on him or anything, he just decides, eh, fuck it, and he drops it. Well, no, because they're calling him out. He's like, "You won't do it. Why don't you think I'll do it? Because you're not crazy." And he's like, "Want to bet?" Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you think I'm not? And he drops it. You get a shot of the guy who lives in the tank, and he's just like, "Oh, thank God!" And then he explodes. Yeah, he goes up in a. He had a miserable life. <laughs> oh, and yeah, <laughs> he actually says. Yeah, he says, oh, thank God, or oh, thank Christ, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you just see flames engulf him and then destroy the inside of the ship in multiple parts, blowing these people with who are rowing away. And this whole time, the worst freaking trackers of all time, the smokers have been trying to find him because he went on that murder spree. So after he shoots them, he's running, jumps down this big hole in the ship, which I loved it earlier when all the guys, all the smokers are hooting and hollering, right? They're all happy that they did it. They run dive down the hole like three or four stories into the boat did you see that when certain people are like firemen's uh sliding down the poles they're just diving into it so at this scene kevin costner the mariner just starts shooting and just jumps down in there and then you have another spectacular action montage of him just like riding chains that are going nowhere and jumping down we're done done with that giant boring middle part of the movie we're in the last Okay, the ending's a little long, but it's it's so this but we're is, in the climax of the movie, and this is the other good part of the movie. This is the one thing I, I will give this movie so much credit, which when we do our final recap, I have things to say. A lot of action movies, they do one thing. They do it basically the opposite formula of this. A little bit of a boring beginning, middle starts to pick up to action stuff, and then an instant climax and end. Mm-hmm. It's like you spend superhero movies are super guilty of this. You spend half the movie showing what these people can do. And then when the final boss scene finally shows up, it's over. This movie, on the other hand, oh, fucking, it was all action, boring, all action. The ending's a solid 20 to 30 minutes of explosions, shooting, fighting. They used the entirety of that $175 million budget. Yep. Multiple explosions, and he's the like... Number two tries to run him down in a car, but he just crashes like an imbecile. Yeah, he... What, oh, that part was cool. So he's chasing him, and... Uh, the Mariner hooks this rope and starts swinging at them, shoots the guy next to him that was machine gunning Kevin Costner. And then while, as in any classic movie, number two looks over, realizes the guy is dead, looks up and does the, oh no, hits a wall. 
But he's not dead yet. He comes up out like all bloody and holds a gun to Kevin Costner. Oh, because at this point, Kevin Costner, the whole reason this all happened, they did the, Kevin Costner was getting up there to the, to the high ground, to the, the yeah, where podium. The, where the girl is. And the bad guys flip and they get down to the main deck to run away. Yeah, was, they get into the plane and they're trying to take off. Yeah. Like, so Costner. Hopper's trying to take off with the girl. Costner gets up on the deck and he looks around and he's like, oh, fuck, they're gone. And he looks down and he sees them getting into the plane and goes to shoot. But uh, Hopper has the girl over his shoulder and he can't. And number two shows up and is like, you should have stayed in the water. Goes to pull the trigger. Click. Yeah. Click. Click. And this is where a good action star would deliver a memorable one-liner <laughs> yeah. and blow the number two away. But I think Kevin Costner just blows the number two yeah, away. Yeah. No, no words. Picks no up words. the gun, smiles. He has a little smirk, shoots, and then decides to run. <laughs> now, he does it in the coolest way ever. Pulls out his yeah. trusty harpoon, does a perfectly placed shot all the way to the other end of the ship and hooks a single metal bar puts the gun it's not a harpoon sorry it's a uh, crossbow mm-hmm. puts the gun in some chains and push in in this like a uh, big uh, cargo pallet pushes the pallet off the edge of the boat so it brings it tight grabs the sweet quad hook jumps on the line and starts ziplining all the way to the end and he ziplines faster than the uh, plane trying to take off which I don't think would happen. I'm pretty sure Plane's whole thing is get up to speed quick so they can take off. Yeah, they're, they're probably going like hundreds of miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, so. But yeah. sure. Yeah, I'll buy it. I mean, it is just like an old-fashioned crop duster. It's not like a Boeing 747 exactly. or anything like that. Uh, he gets to the other end, grabs the hook that he just slid down on, ties a rope to it real fast, or ties it, I'm sorry, to a rope that's tied off, Wings it into the air at the boat and hooks it at the perfect moment to rip the entire bottom side of the of the uh, plane off, and the plane crashes down. Not dramatic, pretty low key crash. The little girl's unharmed. Dennis Hopper is like disappeared, so he grabs the little girl. No, he's unconscious. It actually shows him like oh, okay. yeah, he's like leaned over the the steering wheel, um, which is kind of goofy that he would be unconscious and the girl would be sitting there like whoa. She doesn't even have a scratch on her. Yeah, she's totally fine. It's like, yeah, this plan could have just killed the little girl right there, but it did because... <laughs> yeah, why not? So they try to run away. The barge is sinking at this point because there's holes in everything, and it's up in flames. Yep. And uh, then you see the the air machine. The What do you call it? The hot air balloon. The, the Yep, Gregor comes in with the sheriff and uh, With the Helen. Hindenburg. And they throw a rope down, grab the rope. This time he throws the rope right. Yeah, he throws it in the correct spot. Or no, he didn't throw the rope. The sheriff did. Oh, okay. So the sheriff, I mean... He I don't even know if this guy's credited as the sheriff, but that's basically what yeah, he is. Yeah, I don't remember. He has a name, but they throw it down. They get on the rope, you know, very classic. Get up to the top. And while they're climbing, what do you know? Dennis Hopper sprinted across the boat, jumps, grabs the rope, and starts climbing after them. Mm. Which, okay, he survived one near death. Cool. Moving up. Well, technically, this is like the fourth one at this point that Dennis Hopper survived. <laughs> Well, they're like, okay, I, I can see the movie doing the calculations here. They're like, okay, do we have the plane crash kill Dennis Hopper? No, that's too lame. That's too impersonal. He's the big bad of our movie. Also, he's the great Dennis Hopper. We need a better death for him than that. Okay, well, now he's on the rope. Uh, and the they sheriff's kick him off. name is Enforcer. Oh, I guess that's pretty close. Fun fact, yeah, Enforcer. Uh, I'm going to keep calling him the sheriff. Yeah, sheriff's way easier. So yeah, he gets up there. He grabs the little girl's leg. And they're like, okay, do we kill? How do we kill Dennis Hopper here? Do we give him a Disney falling death into the water? Disney like, falling? No, well, no, no. So this no, is we can another. Do better than that. This is another one of those perfect throws where Helen leaves over the edge and just tosses a bottle down, hits him directly in the face, and he kind of stumbles. And then the little girl kicks him, and he falls into the water. Also, probably should have died that fall. 
Conveniently enough, he didn't, and he comes up right next to a jet ski. All right. Now, instead of, like, chasing them down or something... This is where the boat sinks, and you actually get to learn what the Oh, boat okay, yeah. so this is very important. Do you remember what the boat was called? Yes. So, at this point, the ship goes down, and all you see is the back of the boat, which is called the... Exxon Valdez. Now, this is... Oh, it's topical. It's 1995 topical. Supposedly, uh, in the theaters when this happened, everyone, like, clapped. Because the Exxon Valdez in 1989 tilted over off the coast of Alaska? Alaska, in the Bering Strait. And released more the the largest oil spill that had happened it was up the to that greatest point. ecological disaster of its time yeah. until the uh the gulf um, yeah bp oil yep so it fucked up all of the sea water horizon that's what the yep and gulf spill uh, was. so when that scene happened so people like hooted and hollered at the captain when that happened i guess it was like everyone loved it they were like yeah fuck you exxon like see you know even in the future you're screwed it's a decent enough twist too because it explains where the smokers were able to find all this cache of fuel that they've been using without... Also, oil tanker workers probably did keep a lot of smeat and smokes on the boat, so mm. I would believe that those were just hoarded. <laughs> so sure, we'll call it. Yeah. and uh, They just happened to luck into the, and salvage this tanker, and that's why they've been the dominating force on this sea. I mean... I mean, since there's no evidence that this takes place in One Piece's world, you didn't have Luffy and the that's um, true. the Straw Hat crew to take him down. <laughs> yeah, so, so you need Kevin Costner. He's the next best thing. Close to. I love Kevin Costner. Oh, the Mariner. <laughs> so um, so this is the greatest scene in action cinema besides Okay, Tom yeah. Harris. They're like, okay, no. You want a death for Dennis Hopper? <laughs> We've got a death for Dennis Hopper. So conveniently enough, in the perfect triangular position, you have Hopper and two other smokers evenly spaced all on jet skis hopper pulls the gun and this is what do you, and the girl is if the girl falls off so the rope this too, is what you so. were talking about earlier he aims and instead of aiming at the air thing and taking the entire boat like the entire aircraft down he just kind of shoots randomly hits the line perfect one of the ropes holding the like capsule part to it and the girl gets jostled enough to fall into the water yeah, so she lands in the middle between a perfect triangle of Hopper and two smokers. It was like sharks uh, attacking a, a, a wounded seal. And he, he even says, he even points at him like, yeah, are we, are we good? Yeah. Are we going to do this? Triangle attack? Triangle attack. Triangle attack. We've trained our whole lives, boys. And I don't know what their end goal with this is because they specifically don't want to kill the girl or destroy the tattoo. But they would. But, they, so but okay, fine. Kevin Costner grabs the nearest rope, which conveniently enough for him is elastic. Ties his one foot off, goes, he says, tie this off. Stands on the edge and does the perfect dive straight down. Helen does the classic, oh, tie it off. Oh, it's unraveling like, do, 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 do. Gets it tied just in time. He bungees down, grabs the girl and gets launched into the air. At this exact moment, all three smokers in the perfect unison, which if you watch it, they actually never made contact. This was like a very poorly filmed scene. <laughs> like you can clearly see that it's two spliced together things because they don't mm. actually touch and then it's just explosion. And this is an explosion like the Death Star was this just is, taken out. This, this is, is not Michael... three jet skis crashing. This is Alderaan was just destroyed. This is the pinnacle Michael Bay explosion of, and it's just three jet skis, which by the way, would not explode. When no, they, they would just kind of crash awkwardly, but they're like, yeah. no, that's not how Dennis Hopper goes out. This is future times. Okay. <laughs> Feels more volatile now. And yeah, it's, it's one of those, it's like a hilarious uh, CGI. The explosion is di gigantic. So they also have to show you uh, Kevin Costner with the girl 
mid-air bungee, like, looking up with the big fire behind them scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's perfect. And they get her up on land, and he explains, oh, it's backwards. The coordinates on there, they're backwards because the uh, poles flipped. So what would be north is now south, and what would be south is now north. And the guy goes, oh, if that's the case, that's all this was? Lands that way. He has, like, this weird device contraption. And then they go that way and they find land. Yeah, there's, like, sleeping, and there's a cute scene of Kevin Costner. There's no water left, so he gets a few drops on his hand. So he uses that to wet the little girl's lips instead of, like, drinking it or just wasting <laughs> it. Um, and that's kind of a nice little scene. And then and then they find land, and then they spend 20 minutes Jurassic Parking over the land yeah. a little bit. Oh, it's beautiful. Fresh water. Oh, it's great. Oh, look at this. Oh, we found a Tarzan-style I mean, hut. At the end, it does. Ex- there's like this society on the land, yeah. and they, the the girl's parents were there, and they knew they were dying, so they had the the map tattooed on her back and sent her out uh, in hopes that she oh, might live and, and eventually song, find the way back. The song she's been humming the whole movie that's been annoying everyone, turns out it's a music box that they would play for. Now, this brings up questions. If this land is so idyllic and great, how come everyone that was living there is dead? True. No, never addressed. Uh, let's uh, chalk that up to uh, uh, pa- an, a pandemic disease. You sure. know, the Black Plague would fade away eventually after it killed everyone. So yeah. killed everyone, then the land went back to living good. Maybe. I don't know. Or what if, and this is a big what if, what if only like only the parents and the daughter found the land? Oh, okay. Like what if only they found it, they built this life, and then all of a sudden, you know, the two parents, they had a kid, they raised the kid, and then all of a sudden realized they were dying. Send her away. Well, I don't know. There's a few. They they left it. Sure. They don't explain it. There was more than one hut. Yeah. But, oh, I mean, oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So there was more. Maybe the huts were there. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying here. I'm it's, grasping here. It's not really explained, but they found land, and the land has horses and birds, and yeah. Kevin Costner's like, I don't belong here. He's like freaking out at like the sounds of by, nature. Because my name is the Mariner, and if I live on land, then what would I be, really? Which... Maybe, maybe, because they point this out earlier. The girl says, humans weren't made for this world. We have legs, we have arms, we're meant to walk on land. Kevin Costner's just like, the fuck you talking about? That's not, what? You're crazy. So to him, as a mutant, water is life. He's made for water world. Water, water world is life. But And this is a very Mad Max thing, too, where he, you know, he helps the people of the movie to solve yeah. their big problem, makes their life better, and then he wanders off without saying a word. Yeah, so, and, which, you know. The little girl's crying, you know, she's like, oh, why you gotta leave? I don't belong here, I belong out there. No, you belong here. And what does she give? She gives him something and then takes off. The music box? Oh, the music box, yes, yeah. the silver music box. Hands it to him and just sprints off because she can't handle her emotions. And then he goes off to journey through Waterworld in what would no doubt be a sequel to this amazing and successful franchise, correct? In theory. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's really the last scene is just him boating away. He, he took lots of plants with him. His boat is full of... He found this boat on the water and it's kind of implied he repaired it. Full of uh, uh, plants and trees and like shit that he can survive with. And he just heads off into Waterworld. Mm-hmm. Very, very classic. Big, big musical score. Big John Williams esque, like and he uh, goes off into the world. Credits. Now, if I would prefer that movie to end a certain way, a if you cut out certain, I don't think you should cut any scenes directly, but I do think you should speed up a few, greatly shorten some, shorten some scenes. But I think if you wanted to keep it a three-hour movie. You shorten a lot of the scenes. They find land about half hour earlier. He goes back out and either A, brings back uh, people 
or B, which because that's not really his 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 uh, fucking like mo. Or B, you have him going out and salvaging for the for the land. I would like to see him go out and then you know like a cl- classic thing like six months later he comes back with his boat with a hole in tow of just stuff and they start building civilization on the land. I think that the biggest problem with this movie is actually Kevin Costner. Fair. Because the middle part that really drags on could have been the the thing that's supposed to carry that part of the movie is the interactions of the three people of Kevin Costner and the two women. Yeah. But Kevin Costner has like zero charisma. The charisma of a potato. And that's not fair. The little girl, the little girl is honestly, the little girl's probably the best actor of the three of them on the (laughs) boat. And that's a problem. Well, the only thing I'll say against Helen, her character was written to be the most whiny bitchy character ever. She could have done more. You could have made her more. The actress was fine. It just the character was weak. But so you, it just doesn't give you a lot to latch on to. Like yeah. if the characters were fun and you wanted to spend time with them, then spending time with them on the ocean could have been enjoyable yeah. instead of just super boring. Could have is... showed way more stuff. You could have showed Waterworld more. You could have showed Kevin Costner's world more. Between the fact that he allows himself to get eaten, or what if he, you could have showed more cool shit he finds under underground. You're building a post-apocalyptic world. Show us more rusty shit. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they could have shown more cool shit. Like, this was the part in the movie where you're supposed to get attached to the characters and the world. But everything is either, like, very scattershot, poorly paced, and... Yeah. And, and the actors just don't have the charisma to be, I think, be carrying I think 90% point. of that to blame... Yeah, that's not fair. I think it's 50-50. Costner being the type of actor he is, he's not Bruce Willis. You know, that could have... Bruce Willis in this role, I think, would be a much better fit. Mm, Bruce Willis would be a better fit. I don't know if Bruce Willis would have been the ideal for this role. Hey, 90s like, action movie. So I did actually find myself a lot, you know, because they're going from Mad Max Road Warrior. But being more contemporary, I was actually comparing this a lot in my head to Fury Road. Okay. And have you seen Fury Road? I have not. Ooh, then that's going to be our next movie. It could be a go over our next movie, yeah. But... So I won't go too heavy on the comparison, but I feel like Fury Road is the ideal version of what this movie wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, and it was, you know, like I said, cited as a inspiration. So, well, Fury Road wasn't because that didn't exist. Or not at Fury Road. Oh, you're right. Oh, I'm still thinking of yes, you're right, Road Warrior. So, Road Warrior is also a very good movie. I have never seen any Mad Max, so I've got movies to see. But we'll 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 hit Fury Road. That'll be our next one. I'm calling it right here. Mad Max Fury Road next movie. It was like a freaking ninety nine on. Rotten Tomatoes, that movie. Oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, it's supposed and to And you be. don't need to have seen the other Mad Max movies to get it. Yeah. I've heard but... it's like, it drops references, but that's really it. Mm-hmm. It's not like a continuation or nothing. It actually makes you really intrigued about the other movies in, in a good way. Not like, a, what am I missing? I can't follow this, but uh, wow, there's actually a lot going on yeah. behind the scenes here. And I'd like to, it's not important right now, so we're not going to dwell on it. But mm-hmm. So... Pick a 90s action star you'd rather fill it with. I'm going to think a little bit more, but my current answer is Bruce Willis, unless you can change my mind. The reason being, this... Can I actually go back to the well of Mel Gibson? I think You're going to do Mel? Yeah, yeah, he's a horrible person, but he is a good actor. I also, just because of my love for Con Air, would love to see Nick Cage do If they wanted to film Mad Max, they should have just gotten Mad Max. (laughs) I think that would have been a little too on the Nick Cage actually would have been fine with, because Nick Cage has a personality. And if you told me that the movie's just going to be Nick Cage being angry at people on the water for three hours, I'd be like, yeah, I could see that being interesting. Could you fill it with... 
Could you fill it with a younger up and coming like action star? Let's say Brad Pitt. Uh, oh, he was too he was too young at the time of this movie. But I'm just saying, like, what if you filled it in with a younger action star of the time? Hmm. You got options is, is all I'm saying. I, I the reason I like Bruce Willis is because he's really charming only in Die Hard. He's really charming in Die Hard. And this movie was Bruce Willis would have sold the action scenes a lot better. I don't know if he would have sold the character work better is the problem. OK, so I think like the action, scene, the highs would have been higher, but the lows would have still been about the same. Really? You're comparing Kevin Costner to Bruce Willis right now? Mm. Actually, they kind of are very similar. Bruce Willis just had better movies. Like, Bruce Willis is a consummate action star. He's at his best when he's in his element. Yeah. When you try to see the human drama of Bruce Willis, it's either completely silly or just not there. That's true. Fifth Element is another one of my favorite action movies. I ever. do like Fifth Element. And that that's a really good one. But what about... Oh, what if you filled it in with Jean-Claude Van Damme? It doesn't work. Mm, I probably could have enjoyed that more, though. <laughs> you think so? I literally just Googled that in 90s action stars, and I'm really, I can't see. Like, this movie, despite not being that I great. I would probably not have wanted a Schwarzenegger. No, Schwarzenegger, Stallone wouldn't work. Wesley Snipes would be. Oh, yes, yes, that's that probably would be the perfect. perfect one. Because he plays that with Blade, he plays the uh, outcast, different person. Oh, perfect. he's versatile. He, he can he can be a badass. He can be he's a really good actor who's very underrated. He, yeah, I would agree. Demolition Man is legitimately one of the best action movies. Oh no! The, the, here's the problem. Here's the reason why he couldn't it couldn't be Wesley Snipes in this movie. Why? Because he's black and he would have had to kiss a white lady, and that's just not something you can do in 1995. That's true. Though. That would have been outrageous. So you cast Halle Berry or something? I don't know. Wait, she was no, she would have been like in her 20s then. That would have been a young, hot Holly Berry. Oh, she's still good looking. She's still a, a fox. What do you What do you want? She's famous. You can be as foxy as you want as long as mm. you want. Have you seen Helen Mirren before? I would. Yeah, who wouldn't, <laughs> right? I think I spent like a good 10 minutes telling Patrick one time how I'd bang Helen Mirren and he, <laughs> did, he didn't agree with me. I was like, get out of here. Anyways, yeah, I think Wesley Snipes might be like the perfect casting for that. Mm -hmm. Even though it was Kevin Costner's like dream project with his buddy. but you, So it's impossible to even like speculate. Uh, so, wrap up. What, uh, I got a couple questions. Let's start with one. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score was? Rotten Tomatoes, I think, probably savaged this movie. I'm going to give it a 30. <laughs> you were, no, I mean, you weren't that far off, but 42. Okay. So, that's fair, right? Mm -hmm. IMDb actually gave it better at a 6.1, and Metacritic also gave it better at a 56. So, they both came up on it. Two, is it a good movie? I wouldn't say it's a great movie. No, no. I don't even know if I would quite go... It's it's a passable movie. It adds up to a passable Is it movie. better than the reputation you thought going I do in? think it's better than its reputation. Yeah. That's Because the mean. reputation like puts it up with laughably bad movies. It puts it up with The Room and Manos, The Hands of Fate and stuff like that. Yeah. And I do see a bit of its ambition outstripping practicality, but I don't think it's that level of bad. I think there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. The action scenes, for example. The action all... scenes are well done. The cinematography is good. It's an imaginative and interesting world yeah. that you want to see more of. If I had heard after seeing this movie that there was a Waterworld sequel, I would be interested. Yeah, I'd watch the hell out of that. Especially if it were directed by someone like George Miller. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone who does those types of movies. Yeah. Um, and uh, last but not least, you can change one thing about the movie. What do you change Kevin Costner's casting. Just just straight up? Yeah. Replace, I think you've cracked the code. Replace him with Wesley Snipes. This goes from, uh, to, this is a good movie. Even with the slow scenes, I think he could do just... Oh, he would do the slow... He would pull it off. 
Yeah, even at a three. I feel like he he'd throw he'd throw a little comedy in. There'd be a little bit of drama, but not enough that his character becomes a sad sack. But to know that he's carrying like this pain and this burden of being a mutant and an outcast. Yeah, and you would you would feel a lot more of him bonding with the girl because she was also an outcast. Shit, you literally. He'd probably be like his moments where he's being angry would probably be played a lot more comically if it were Wesley Snipes. Yeah, and to the point where like, oh, he's just a grump, but he's a silly grump. Well, so they he's did not that. Act- with- Whereas Kevin. Costner actually goes a little too far and seems really threatening and creepy. And They did that a lot in the 90s, though. He'd be Samuel L. Jackson, angry black man, though. A little bit. They would do a little bit of angry black man. There might be a little bit of that, but I, I do think that he could pull it off where, like, he would be a, he would be a dynamic character. Yeah. He would he His meanness would come off as more fun and silly. His... His drama would actually seem more like real and human, yeah. so you would want to watch this character more during the slow scenes. You just literally pull Blade out of Blade and just like take the teeth off and just use that character. Use the Blade character, and I think you've got a hit. Because that's exactly who that guy was. Like, angry guy with a mission. Cool. Mm-hmm. And it's not your mission, it's mine. Get away from me. Oh, now you made it my mission. Okay, I'm on it. So, either way, I personally would recommend the movie. I, you know, I love it. I, it's not like my favorite action movie, but it's up there. Recommend? See it to complete your Dennis Hopper viewing experience, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm all set. Final thoughts, final thoughts? Eh, that's all right. Yeah. Next. We're not worse than Fan Stick yet. No, God, not even close. That bar we set way too low. This, If, if Fan Stick is a 1 out of 10, this is easily like a 5. It's not even close to the 1 on the Fan Stick level. I'd give it like even a, like a 6 or maybe a low 7. I'm sticking with my C-. minus. Yeah, C- minus is it fair. It passes. But... I, give, I, give it a, I give it a B- minus if, if I was rating it, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, otherwise, next episode, I guess we're, we'll keep with the post-apocalyptic and we'll hit Mad Max. Maybe we'll turn that into a thing. Maybe I'll do another post-apocalyptic. I don't know. I can't think of any off the top there of my head. A, I mean, there's The Road, but that's not a great movie. Yeah. Resident Evil Extinction. Mm. I love that movie. Mm. I do. I really do. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. This has been Men of the Machines review of Waterworld. I'm Kevin. And I'm DJ. Thanks for listening. And as you can see, over here we have the man of the machine.